There is perhaps no greater avatar for video game rage than the duck hunt dog. You already feel bad and then this stupid hound just looks at you and laughs. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week we're talking about gaming on tilt and all the weird, complicated ways that video games can make us uniquely frustrated or angry. Don't worry, it's a calm conversation despite the topic, so let's sit together, pour some tea, and talk it out. I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Jason Schreier. Hello. Hey. Hey, it's us. Look who Welcome it is. Back. It's my two favorite gamers, <laughs> Maddie and Jason. Wow, out of all the gamers in the world? Out of all the gamers in my life and in the world, <laughs> okay. you two are my favorites. I hope I hope when you say gamers there, you're talking about cap- lowercase g gamers. Right. And yes. not capital G gamers. No, not capital G games. Because it's casual. We're keeping it cash, yeah. you know? We keep it cash here on Triple <laughs> yeah. Play. Well, also, I feel like uppercase gamer is more of a slur, and lowercase wow. gamer is like more We're of coming a, in hot. Just a friendly. Happy Max Fun Drive, gamer's a slur. That's the difference? That's the difference. It's the it's the capitalization that makes the difference. It we're, is. We're bringing is. the controversial takes to the table wow. immediately. That's what people come to Triple Click <laughs> for, you know? So, hey, it's Maximum Fun Drive. It's very exciting. It's Max Fun Drive 2022, an exciting time for all of our shows. We're super psyched about it. There's a lot of cool stuff going on, as I'm sure those of you who are already members or who follow Max Fun already know. We have a new Horizon Forbidden West Beans cast in the new bonus feed that you can listen to. We've got a stream today. We're (laughs) going to be streaming some Destiny 2 uh, later today on Thursday, April 28th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Twitch.tv slash TripleClickPod. We'll have a link for that down in the show notes. I can't believe you guys are making me play Destiny. <laughs> I definitely can believe that we're making you play Destiny. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's kind of like a, a bit that all three of us are in on. Like, we're all making ourselves play Destiny, too. Yeah, that's fair. I can't believe we're all making ourselves play I, Destiny. I can't either. I, I reinstalled it, and I can't believe I did that, so... Yeah, the the muscle memory, I think, will come back to us. So that's going to be fun. That's at 8 on the 28th again. And a link for that is in the show notes. So we'll talk a little more about Maximum Fun Drive later. But it's an exciting time. And, of course, it's a great time to become a member or to increase your membership. But, Kirk, if I I can't wait until later, how do I become a member right now? Yeah, what URL would I go to, for example? I think you would go to MaximumFun.org slash join if you really... If you really couldn't I think wait. So too. I think so too. Yeah. You should go there and find out, I think. That's <laughs> you should see what's over there. Just check it out. I think you should. I think you should. It's actually go see. No, it is <laughs> Jason's bringing so much spice, and that is completely appropriate given the topic of today's episode. Yeah, I'm getting is, riled up. It's a hot, spicy topic, which is rage quitting. And I expanded this slightly to include getting tilted because to me that is part of rage quitting. If you're tilted, you're in danger of rage quitting. If you have rage quit a game, you definitely were tilted at the time that that occurred. These things, this sort of like a square rectangle scenario, you can get tilted and not rage quit. But maybe you should. I don't know what getting tilted means. Can you, you do, that? though, Jason, because it's a term from poker. So I'm shocked you don't know what it is. Sometimes people refer to it as being on tilt. Yes. It means that you have gotten too emotional. You have let your emotions, let your emotions get the best of you while you're playing a game, often a competitive game, a social game. Although, hey, it happens to us in solo, solo single player games as well. <laughs> uh, and once you're on tilt, uh, you start making mistakes often you start taking it out on your play 
causes problems for you. I mean, we've all we've all experienced being on tilt. Surely <laughs> I'm not the only one who has had the experience of getting tilted. Maddie, I'm, before we get into this, what made mm-hmm. you decide to pitch and propose rage quitting as a topic for this show? Well, a lot of people have written in to us about rage quitting in the past. It's a much requested topic. That was a big reason why I was like, we should do it. That's and also one. for the Max Fun Drive, because... Obviously, the universal we're all, experience, I suppose. It's a universal experience, but I, I think maybe people see us as just so great at games that we would never get <laughs> tilted anymore and we would never rage quit anything because we're just Zen masters, basically. Mm. So really it's that we're sharing our wisdom with the listeners because <laughs> we've overcome so much. Right. When we were initially talking about this, it was rage quitting, and now we've added tilted. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing that the reason that Jason doesn't know what tilted means in gaming <laughs> is because, Maddie, you and I recorded an episode of Kotaku Split Screen 100 years ago when we talked about tilting. And it was when Jason was out, I believe, on paternity leave yep. or something like that. Mm-hmm. and um, Or you were out maybe on book leave. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Um, same difference. And, uh, and we talked about tilting. Yeah, he was either having a baby or a book or both. Who cares? <laughs> Or both, one or both, the other. Both require nine months and a lot of labor. <laughs> so as a result, you you never learned what you never learned what tilt was. Um, well, also I've never gotten emotional from right. a video game. So. Right, sure. that time when yes, you stopped playing sure. Dark Souls because of the frogs and the poison swamp. Yeah, it's you quit totally stoic. completely calmly, and you thought mm-hmm. to yourself. I really love this game and I'm going to come back to it any day now. Exactly. <laughs> that was a that was a key moment for you. I that was actually that's my first question for you too and I already know that Jason's done it at least once cuz you rage quit Dark Souls 1. But Kirk, have you ever rage quit a game? Yeah, oh, sure. It's funny. I think of rage quitting that's the one that I that I struggle with as a definition more than tilting because when I picture rage quitting, I picture like you know, toxic gamer videos of someone, mm-hmm. like, destroying their keyboard yep. in a fit of peak after losing a game, which, like, I haven't quite done that, though I do remember one time in college I kicked my PC in frustration and it <laughs> oh. broke it. <laughs> and I do, I'll never forget that because it was this great feeling of regret where I was just like, ah, and I, like, kicked the PC and then it, like, really, like, broke the case and the PC, wow. like, stopped working. Whoa. It was, like, a mu- I think I was wearing boots or something like I just wasn't thinking about how heavy my shoes were and I remember breaking the PC and I was like oh my god I just like did the thing I like broke my PC because I was so mad at this game bing Kirk here as I edit the episode with a quick and important correction to that story I couldn't remember what game it was that triggered the time that I kicked a computer and broke it which is definitely something that I remember very well is that specific that memory of just this terrible feeling of having done this stupid thing But the reason I couldn't remember is that it actually wasn't a game that caused that to happen. I was actually working on an arranging project um, for school, and I was using some, like, score writing software that was screwing up or freezing or something. My computer was freezing. And I was just, like, I couldn't get it done, and I was really behind and needed to finish it. And it was, I think, late at night, and I was super stressed out, and then the computer was kind of messing up. And I kicked it, like, come on, work! And I kind of kicked it, and I think I was wearing boots at the time, and it broke the computer. And I wound up having to, I think, tell my professor that uh, the computer broke. (laughs) And uh, and get an extension or something. So anyways, I couldn't remember what game it was, and that was why. And this is how false memories form. So not a heated gaming moment, but a heated score writing moment, which, you know, kind of the same. Anyways, I thought that was an important historical correction to add, even though the point basically remains the same. Okay, back to the show. Bing! 
Kirk, have you ever broken an instrument on stage? Have you ever done anything oh, like that? Oh, see, that's awesome no. in metal. That's very different from rage quitting or being on tilt. Right, that is very different. Yeah, okay. that's almost the I just, opposite. I just... I just now have this picture in my head of Kirk just breaking things into <laughs> just, just slamming things. saxophones into the well, stage. Well, it's funny. Yeah, it's it's very not my usual way of, of, of doing things. So, yeah, when, when Jimi Hendrix lights his guitar on fire, he's not mad. He's mm-hmm. just um, expressing his sort of energy Except level. mad with power of how much talent yes. he has. Oh, I thought it was because he was mad at the guitar. He's like, fucking thing won't stay in tune. Yeah. <laughs> in Monterey, it was really just a story of... Of anger at his guitar. God, why am I so bad? He was very self-critical. It's just tragic, really. That's true. That was his whole thing, really. But yeah, I did have that experience with Dark Souls where I was... It's a similar thing where I, I fell and got cursed. And it was... The reason that was so unfortunate was that I was coming back to Dark Souls after a long time away. Mm. And then I found myself just in the depths and like in this really difficult sort of hallway that I had no real memory of. And then I immediately got cursed and was like, I'm not playing this anymore. It wasn't so much a rage quit as it was just a, it was kind of a calm quit, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just walked away. And I think that if I ever go back to that game, I'll just have to start over. Yeah, Maddie, you you said I rage quit Dark Souls 1, but that didn't actually, like I wasn't mm-hmm. mad. It was a calm quit. It was quit. just like, I'm done You weren't this. mad, you were laughing, actually. Yeah. I was laughing, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> right. I was totally smiling the whole time. You, you can't make me mad. Um, I feel like I have rage quit. I, th- I guess more multiplayer stuff. I, I play a lot of StarCraft 2, as you guys both know. And yeah. in StarCraft 2, you're kind of, there's like a certain etiquette. You always say GL, HF, good luck, have fun at the beginning of matches. Mm-hmm. And if someone doesn't, that means they're a jerk. And yep. then you always say GG at the end of matches before you log off. And it's always considered bad etiquette or I, I guess rage quitting to um, sign off without saying GG to just mm-hmm. kind of peace out. And I've done that before. Or, or to abandon the game before it's even completed but when you are can tell you're already going to lose well no in starcraft that's how you you get well correct you surrender but but without a gg of course is uh cold right without a gg is the kind of bad manners thing and back in the day of starcraft esports there was this guy named idra who was like known for being this petulant player who would rage quit to the point where once he like rage quit a game he was going to win but anyway i digress i've i've done this i've done that sort of thing like rage quitting in the sense that i didn't like sigh and say gg and then like good game and then quit out because i was so annoyed at like my opponent or annoyed at myself for not being able to like stop the cannon rush or some nonsense like that so Mm -hmm. in that sense i've rage quit but i can't remember any time where i've actually gotten angry and like destroyed a computer like kirk hamilton uh property (laughs) destroyer over here yeah that's pretty amazing i i know when i was a kid there would be times when i would very carefully throw my game boy onto the bed when i was mad at a video game (laughs) Like, I have done that. I was cautious would, about Yeah, I was very cautious about throwing it if I was frustrated. But I, I could never really rage quit any game then because I didn't have enough games. So it was like eventually you would always have to come back to the same five <laughs> games. So I, I didn't rage quit anything I owned at that age. But I do also remember getting older and playing fighting games with people. And there was one moment that I wrote about for Offworld when Offworld was a website. I don't know if people can oh, dig yeah. this up, but... I was playing Super Smash Brothers 
with my acapella club and me and this other guy were way more competitive than everyone else there to a point that was socially awkward for everyone else and that I now look back on with great shame because it was like <laughs> we were making things really intense and just destroying the energy of what should have been a casual party by just constantly being neck and neck and we were both pretty equal in terms of skill so it would always be like oh one or the other of us would always be almost winning neither of us would want to give up the controller no matter how many losses in a row we had and I remember it escalated to him yelling fuck you at me at one point I don't know why I can only assume I won something and it was it seemed unfair uh and he had to give up his controller and it I remember, like, there was a silence in the room. I would like to emphasize that although he yelled a fuck you at me, I probably deserved it. Like, th- I'm making the story sound like it wasn't fair. <laughs> yeah, your but... story of rage quitting is somebody else no, getting mad and you being this calm Zen I don't master. think I was doing a good job in this moment either. I feel like a toxic situation was created by us both in this moment. And mm. it just, I still think about it now where I'm like, well... I've come a long way from whatever version of Maddie that was. And (laughs) I think at this point, I'm not a sore loser, but it's been a hard road. Like, I I certainly have had times where, especially in fighting games, where I've gotten at least very angry at myself to a point where I'm annoying to be around because I've lost too many times and I'm sulking. But I, I, I try not to take it out on other people. Mm. Yeah, there's something with competitive gaming because that is definitely the thing that probably makes me feel the most, like the closest, like that feeling where you start to kind of not lose control, but you can feel the like frustration building in you in a way that can be very startling. Like yeah. when, when you start to experience it, the feeling of, for me, I'm thinking of competitive destiny, which was mm-hmm. the competitive game that I played the most for a while. And I remember there was this one, this game really just randomly playing with some friends. And there were these two players on the other team that were like sick kid, like K-I-I-D or something. They had kind of like gamery handles and they were good. So like really cool screen names. Yeah. They were really cool. <laughs> and um, As opposed to Kirk's handle, which is a reference to a musical scale. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we have a leg to stand no, on. No, no. My handle now is a Bloodborne reference. I changed it. So of now course. I have a gamery handle. It's a lot cooler. It's Kirk, it's Kirk Hammer now. Ah, That's my, okay. my handle now. Um, no, so they, they, you know, they were, they were good though. And it was just this feeling of kind of getting killed by the same player over and over and over again, which I know will be familiar to a lot of listeners. To this day, that bugs me. Like if I'm in a multiplayer (laughs) game and somebody keeps killing me every match, I'm like this, I've had enough of this guy. I say to myself. Uh, (laughs) So, and that I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out like, what is the combination of things that causes that feeling, you know, that yep. feeling that I know Jason never gets upset. Maddie, <laughs> only your friends get upset. So apparently I'm the only right, one who ever gets right. upset playing games. But that feeling that I think a lot of listeners will know at least where there's some combination of things that just starts to kind of create this alchemical reaction inside of your brain yeah. that like makes you just start to become angry. And I think that one of them, is, time is definitely a factor. Mm-hmm. And another one is like the repetition, like the repetition over time of some sort of frustrating or infuriating thing. And you never get release. You never get satisfaction. And that's like the definition of frustration, right? Is like you never quite get what you want. You're frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I think in a competitive game, at least in this game of destiny, it was this feeling 
feeling of this one guy, sick kid, I'll call him that. It wasn't quite that, but it was something like that. You know, you got killed by sick kid. And I'm like, man, that guy really got me. And then I'm playing again and then he gets me again and then he gets me again. And then I like kind of know what he looks like. He has a certain <laughs> helmet or something. And I'm like, there's that, there's that player. And then he gets me again. And soon I'm like, I'm going to get this guy. Right. Yep. And you get into this kind of mode. And this is, mm-hmm. this has to happen over time. It becomes a little narrative mm-hmm. where you're trying to get the guy. And then when you really just can't and he like gets you and then maybe he like you really think you have him then you don't get him and then he teabags you or something like after getting you it's something like really blows it over the top and you'll find yourself almost like not disassociating but behaving in ways that do not match up with how you normally behave or would even behave in a like face-to-face situation with someone because of this abstracted environment because of this weird narrative that you've built up in your own head like Mm -hmm. this guy might have just been playing and been like I don't know he's probably killing 20 people and not even (laughs) noticing when he's killing me it's totally on my side but that was what gave it its power mm-hmm. <laughs> the stories yeah. we tell ourselves <laughs> i've, I've so definitely funny. experienced that and i also feel like if i can catch myself in that moment and stop or just do something else it's great but if i don't i'll often realize i was playing worse when i was going after yes. that one person because i've forgotten whatever the match objectives are i'm not paying attention to where my teammates are i'm no longer really even doing a good job of killing this one person because i've just become completely focused on them to the point of losing my own ability to aim and that means that i will often get killed by them even more as a sort of form of just eternal punishment i guess i mean really as soon as you're tilted it's over and i it's also interesting that i've we've had several people write in and talk about from soft games making them feel tilted and i think it can happen because of the exact thing you described, Kirk, which is you experience a loss over and over and over again in those games, and you just have to either move on from that or find something else to do in the game. That's usually what I do when I'm like, I just don't have this in me right now. Mm -hmm. But if you can't and you're just stuck in that loop, I have had a few moments with Dark Souls where that's happened and where I would, I guess I'm going with calm quit, but I I have had evenings where I'm like, I just can't play this game tonight, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I don't know why, but every time I go up against anything, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm terrible at it. And I guess it's me. And that sucks too. And I don't know why sometimes your brain does that, but I do think it is that like tragedy plus time scenario, like getting killed by a similar enemy over and over again and just being like, okay, just one more time. But then if you die again, you're like, really? What? Mm -hmm. Or you get really far the next time and you're like, okay, but I was so close that time. (laughs) And then the next Mm -hmm. time you die immediately and you're like, what? But I just, but the last time I got so far, how is this possible now? That from soft games can really dial into whatever that experience is. Yeah, and that's that's right. That's one of the the great things about Elden Ring is that it's so easy to go do something else. Like yes. you can get stuck, and then you can always divert yourself, which is something that's possible in a single player game and isn't in multiplayer. Like in single player, you can yeah. get into that sunk cost thing where you're just committed to it because you're committed to it, but you could just go do something else. There's a there's something else to multiplayer games that makes it hard. I think, and it's that you're you're in a group activity, so you can't just 
leave in the same way always without like actually quitting out of the match,、mm-hmm. you know, abruptly. And if you're playing with your friends, that's also kind of awkward. You don't want them to know that you're super upset and you're like, you know, you quit out of the game, which I've certainly had that happen where I'm playing a game with people and someone that I'm playing with is like gets kind of upset and is kind of tilting and just leaves. And then they maybe come back 20 minutes later and they're like, hey, I'm back. Like I was just <laughs> feeling kind of bummed. And it's, it's kind of good to see someone do that, but you notice it and there's a、mm-hmm. kind of a pressure not to do that. Um, so, you're kind of stuck in the situation a little more in multiplayer, which I think can exacerbate the problem. So,、yeah. I think so that leads to the point that I was thinking about, which is I don't find competitive games to be、um, to inspire that kind of rage in me.、Um, maybe it's because I'm super stubborn and I'm willing to just keep throwing my head against the wall or whatever, whatever other reasons. Maybe because I'm competitive by nature. But I find that cooperative multiplayer experiences can be a little more frustrating. And I've seen more frustration in that. So, for example, using、raids. pivoting on Destiny,、yeah. raids, some of the times that I've seen people get angriest in video games is when it's six of us all. Trying to cooperate against a computer and against the puzzles that are in the game because everybody has to pull their weight, and it can be really frustrating if it's clear that like one person isn't pulling their weight or a couple of people aren't following the instructions or whatever else.、Um, the instructions being don't die, and then people aren't following <laughs>、yes, that very clear instruction. Very that's easy, a problem. Actually, <laughs> don't、but. die. Um, and yeah, that can be its own kind of like weird, unique social dynamic that you have to navigate. And you can't, like, I mean, obviously you can't rage quit when you've coordinated a time to raid with your buddies that, like, and you're all on、yeah. super busy schedules and this is the only time you can do it. But you also can't be like, hey, this person is clearly not pulling their weight or this person keeps dying or whatever it is, especially if it's you. Sometimes it's like, oh, God, I'm playing horribly. I can't, I can't、mm-hmm. keep up with everybody. And that, that feels the worst when you're like, man, Man, I'm bring, dragging everyone else down with me, and like we're not going to make any progress tonight because of me. So, I think those are, at least for me, in my personal experience, both feeling and witnessing other people feel it, those are the most frustrating experiences that, that I've seen.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- those two that you describe are both. Feelings that I'm familiar with and both happen in co op games. The one is I'm so disappointed with myself and my own playing that I am becoming, I'm <laughs> tilting and I'm kind of bumming、uh-huh. everyone out because I'm、uh-huh. being so hard on myself. The other being I'm so frustrated with my team. On the first one, I, here's a story.、Um, this, this happened not that long ago, actually. And it's kind of an example of tilt. I was trying to think of, of tilt examples. And this one came to mind. And it was actually when I was playing、um, Gloomhaven with my tabletop group.、Mm. Uh, we play Gloomhaven, which I've talked about on the show before, but for anyone who doesn't know, is a pretty complicated tactics RPG tabletop game that is kind of like,、uh, you know, I don't know, it's like turn based. You're playing different parties. There's a tank, there's range dealers, there's enemies. And it's cooperative. So there's five of us and we're all on the same team. And it's pretty hard. Like the way that we play it, it's pretty unforgiving. And we were playing, I don't remember when this was. This was maybe six months ago. We were playing just some very challenging mission. And I don't actually, I'm not even sure what character I was, but I basically, if you run out of cards, you die. And you're just, or you're like out of, the, of that match. And you really, you know, your team really needs you. I think I was, I think I was the elementalist. So I think I was like a ranged damage dealer. And I just miscalculated something. And wound up with no cards and no ability to get my cards back. Like, I basically just I died, like, completely 
like a boneheaded move. It wasn't even like I got unlucky. It was like I just miscalculated. I like played the wrong two cards and then suddenly realized in the middle of my turn, like, oh my God, like I just killed myself on accident. Like I just <laughs> oh, no. exhausted my cards. And it was the worst feeling because we're in the middle of this really challenging thing. And I'm sitting here and I have to just be like, you know, I'm, we're playing online and I'm like, um, I just died like in the middle of this fight and then I felt so bad like I just was so mad at myself yeah you have to wait it out right like everyone else is just struggling and barely making it and you're like wow well and the funny thing was it wasn't even really quite like that like they were all like oh man shit like that sucks and then they just figured it out and they like they won and they were fine. But I was so bummed out that I think I was like, I don't know how much of this was like spreading to the team, but I was just sitting there like I was like back in my chair, like, you know, like I'm doing right now, just sort of I was just like, I can't believe this. And then I couldn't quite get over it, like for 15 minutes or something. And it was this feeling of like, I'm bumming people out. This is I'm being weird right now because I'm like so mad about this dumb thing. Yeah. I did. And it was definitely that feeling of tilting that I think is when you're really being hard on yourself. And people are eventually like, they want to just be like, dude, chill out. <laughs> like, It's fine. We don't care. It's just a game. But, you know, you're taking it so seriously that it's kind of hard, you know, to challenge someone. So, yeah. okay, I want to I wanna talk about poker a little bit because I played a bunch of poker. Manny, I know you've played a bunch of poker. Mm-hmm. Kirk, have you played any poker at all? Like, yeah, uh, sure. Okay, you've dabbled. Um, so Tilted, as you guys pointed out, comes from poker. And I think it's really interesting in poker. Um, well, I think there are two interesting points to talk about regarding poker and rage quitting and tilting. One is that you can kind of, uh, because of the nature of the game, you can kind of uh, like intentionally try to get someone tilted as uh-huh. a strategy. And That's right. Kind of shit talking is a thing in all competitive like sports and games and stuff, but nowhere is it more effective than in poker, where if you can really rattle someone, especially when it's like one on one, you just made a move, you're waiting for them to either call or bluff, and you can just talk. You can talk all you want and say all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, and there've been some amazing. There's the in the movie Molly's Game. There's some amazing moments with Michael Sarah doing just that. Yeah, yeah. Um, to to get his opponent to fold uh, a better hand. Um, and then just the other thing, and then Kirk, you look like you have something to say, but just the other thing I wanted to bring up was that, um, uh, in poker, what's different about that than I think a lot of the video games that we play is that you can make all the right moves and play perfectly and still lose, which is mm-hmm. why it is the recipe for so many emotional quits mm-hmm. because because of the nature of the game, because so much of it is luck. You can be playing pocket aces um, pre like a pre flop all in against an opponent having like pocket twos, and if the opponent is lucky enough to like draw two on the flop, then they could win, and you could. Be be like oh my god like i played this perfectly like i should have won this hand but mm-hmm. no you lose and you rage quit and you tilt so mm-hmm. it's easy to see why poker would be the source of so many emotional uh outbursts yeah there is i mean i would say the only similarity and of a kind of unfair dynamic in games is that feeling of like latency hits you suddenly or your computer freezes for a second and you die yeah or cheaters yeah players cheating. and that's yeah. why people will so often be like what is this lag it's my controller oh like this, this yeah. you know kind of adding a, an excuse for that you're reminding me that i think the very original thing is pinball where you would literally tilt the machine to like yes you know ah. change the game in your favor it says tilt when you tilt it right although that 
I think translates to poker very well because as Jason pointed out, you can tilt other players in much the same way that you might tilt the machine to your yeah. favor. And that's actually how you win a lot of the time, especially if you have bad cards. Like you have to just convince everybody else that they're good. And some of the most uh, <laughs> unsympathetic reactions I've seen from my friends at the poker table are when you win and you're willing to reveal that you actually had terrible cards. Like that is a recipe yes. for everyone actually being quite annoyed at you. Because <laughs> That's an amateur <laughs> move. You always gotta always gotta muck yeah, your hands. You don't you don't ever want to reveal that you secretly had terrible cards. You like, don't ha, you don't want to look do what that. I pulled off. Or they had good mm-hmm. cards. Like a good poker player always mucks. Yep. There's also, and thinking about Molly's game, which who knows, I mean, I, I know that's based on a true story, but there's yeah. also the financial aspect of poker, which is yeah. there is just this element of like, I could have afforded to lose the 10 grand that I just won from you, but I know that for you, that's a lot of money and I just took it from you. And mm-hmm. like, you just have to accept that. And like, that is like deeply an intense thing. Kirk, you know? are you playing in a lot of 10 grand buy-in games? <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about the movie. And yet me and my friends don't play with money and it still would get very very emotional. Like I know Jason plays with money, but I just want to emphasize like I've never played poker with money and yet oh, we would still what? of course of really course. just for the bragging rights and the humiliation Wait, of it all. What's the point of playing poker without money? Just just <laughs> for fun. I don't know. Smoking I, like a true gambler. <laughs> I mean, what's the point of doing anything? Nobody's paying me to play Elden Ring, and I'm out here playing it all the freaking time. So what's the point of anything, Jason? My game is a $20 buy-in, not the ten grand buy in well, that yes, Kirk is playing. No, games. sure, sure. But um, I just I mentioned that because of that movie. To, to pivot back to video games for a second, to the co-op thing that we were talking about earlier, yeah. the one thing that we talked about is when you're doing badly and you get really upset with yourself and that tilting kind of spreads and can become toxic. But of course, the real toxicity, and I think it's what you were getting at too with raids, Jason, is when you're upset with your team. And I remember there was this period of time during the Kotaku years, um, there were kind of League of Legends was just like, Riot Games was doing all this stuff about toxicity and they were doing all these studies and like kind of always talking a big game about how they were going to improve the the community in League of Legends and make the game less toxic. Because League of Legends at the time was, like, really known for being toxic. Like, that was the only thing I really knew about it, was that, like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, players are super <laughs> toxic. Fairly or unfairly, it was notorious for that. And what they found was, and this was actually interesting for me anyways, it was eye-opening for me, was that the toxicity comes from people to their own teammates. It wasn't yeah. nearly as much to the other team. Because you're in team chat with your team, and in, you know, a MOBA like League of Legends, if someone on your team isn't carrying their weight, it's not just that you all made a plan to raid and you're not going to get to the next checkpoint. It's like you're being beaten by another team. So it's got that competitive humiliation, that frustration. Mm-hmm. And it's this jabroni's fault on your team, this guy who like picked the wrong hero to begin with and isn't listening to you and sucks. And soon you're so mad at that person that the like toxicity that kind of gets vented their way that then spreads and the whole team is upset with one another. I mean, that's like a really... Uh, a really potentially bad situation. There's a lot of room for things to get bad. Yeah, mm. and it happens also in similar games that aren't necessarily MOBAs, like any sort of team-on-team scenario where the team really needs to coordinate. So I mean like an mm-hmm. Overwatch situation. I, I put Counter-Strike here in our notes, but I feel like it's actually harder in like TF2 or Overwatch or Valorant where there's different character classes or Apex Legends or anything, anything where there's character classes and everybody has a certain role. And that means that those games are so much harder to learn. And that's part of why it's so tragic to me and why I know Riot Games and other companies have tried to make changes that 
make the games more welcoming in some way and Mm -hmm. debatably have succeeded at that because what happens a lot is it's just a new player who's the jabroni and picked a class that they know nothing about and they they Mm -hmm. literally don't know the map yet and like how would they ever learn it in an environment where five people are screaming at them that they suck like that is a recipe for trying it one time and uninstalling (laughs) it truly rage quitting but it's the saddest rage quit of all like just the worst. I found that in Overwatch a lot, which is similar because it's a hero shooter. Went back when I was playing that for like the month or whatever after it came out. There yeah. was always this thing, like even when I was, you know, it, it got established so quickly. You know, the game was new and it was already there were people being like, you can't pick that hero. Do not play that hero. Like, don't play whatever character it was. You mm-hmm. know, they're like, they, they suck. We're going to lose if you try to be Bastion or whatever it was. And um and like if the first decision that you make if you're like a new player and you yeah. come and you're like hey cool cartoony characters Overwatch you're like I want to play the tank guy and then your whole <laughs> team jumps down your throat and they're like you suck what are you doing you're like okay maybe this maybe this isn't for me like, I'm in the UI screen and I'm already being told I'm right, a noob first and thing I should I did die. Was wrong. <laughs> Like I pressed one button and I've already failed. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't know how you solve for that. I mean, well, I do feel like I have found some pretty good ways to de-escalate, at least in a raid environment. I I can't fix Overwatch or any situation where I'm playing with strangers, and it's why I try to just avoid it entirely these days. But so okay, I have I have a thought because yeah. I play a lot of pickup basketball, and I'm not very good at playing basketball, but I still enjoy it. And I found that actually in basketball, because there are ways that a good player can make a bad player better by like setting them up for good pass, like with good passes and like mm. setting them up to, yep. to cut towards the basket with pick and rolls and stuff like that that I think prevents a lot of the toxicity because you can like wind up feeling like you're if you're a good player you can wind up trying to make other people better and, and help support them and if you're a bad player you feel like you're getting support and then you 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 can pull your weight a little bit better by like by like going along with your teammates and stuff like that um, I think that is something that is missing in a lot of competitive team games because it's a lot more like in League and Overwatch um, um, I, I believe my understanding, I'm not no League or Overwatch expert, but my understanding is that it's a lot of everybody's expected to play their role. The tank is expected to go and be a tank. People are expected to go and watch the checkpoint. Same with League. You're expected to, to get in your lane and do mm-hmm. your stuff. And there isn't as much opportunity for assisting and helping each other out, which is the sort of thing that I think is uh, can really eliminate that toxicity and really create for better team environments. Um uh, MMOs do a really good job of this and I found that one of the least toxic communities ever at least in my experience is Final Fantasy 14 where which I played a ton of in like random dungeons and stuff and if someone dies everybody's so forgiving like healers are constantly supporting people are always like looking for ways to help each other get through stuff get through these big tough raid dungeons or whatever um, boss instances and I think that's because there are mechanisms in place that are like less like okay everybody go do your job on your own and if someone fails we all fail and more like okay where we're doing this together as a team and we have to have that synergy and be able to help each other to make this work Mm -hmm. yeah that can cut both ways but it's definitely true that having roles that people can just do and that that really allow people to do multiple things can be good i mean i feel like tf2 wasn't that toxic at least when I was playing it, and part of that was that there were roles in that game, uh, this Team Fortress 2, I should say. Yeah. Um, just because you could be the medic, and that was kind of a pretty different thing than being the heavy, and it really did let you kind of play differently, which at its best was how Overwatch felt. It's just that Overwatch really ramped up quickly. A couple things come to mind when I'm thinking about multiplayer games that aren't, that don't 
lend themselves to this, to like sort of anger or frustration with your teammates. One is, I'm thinking about Fall Guys as an example of when a yeah. game is so low impact and everyone's the same and it's just, you're just thrown in. It, it just doesn't really leave you feeling that way. Fall Guys, to explain to anyone who didn't play it, this is a game where you just, you jump in, you're a little guy, like a little gummy human, <laughs> like a minion kind of. <laughs> yeah, and then you just have to run through a... You run through a bunch of challenges with 100 other players, and you're all fighting against each other, but it's ridiculous. And you can be good. I mean, there are people who are amazing at those games, and it can be frustrating if you get near the end and you die. But it never really feels like – you never really feel like anger toward any other player because it's all so ridiculous. And actually, that's the other thing that I was thinking of is Battle Royale games in general – don't really lend themselves, at least when I play them, to this kind of anger. And I think it's because it doesn't have that element of repetition. There isn't a, like, you fail, you get killed by the same person over and over again, you're repeatedly failing, you're letting your team down, they're getting madder and madder at you, you're not staying on the, you know, whatever, the you're not staying in the zone, or you're not playing your role. And so it's, like, over and over and over again, it leads to that repetition and anger. In a Battle Royale game like Fortnite, you kind of go in, and then you're, like, go through the thing and you run into some people and maybe you win a couple fights and then you lose a fight and then you're out mm-hmm. and then you start over again. And the, the arc... And it's different every single time. Right. Like sometimes maybe you beat 20 and... people and sometimes you beat one and it is what right. it is and some of that is luck and some of that is skill but it's probably different every time. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. pretty cool actually. Yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the reasons those games are so successful and that I've never... Re- I mean, if this could be that they are really toxic but I've never gotten the sense that like Fortnite has an issue with toxicity really like on the level that League of Legends did anyways. Yeah it's making me realize that um, that lines up with the kinds of tips that I would give people which are you know take a break if you're playing a solo game and the version of take a break in a raid scenario is something that my group did when we were playing the Destiny 2 raids which is somebody usually we would all be very self-critical and if somebody was performing badly they would be the first to say so and would be like oh my god i'm sucking at this and that would be our opportunity to be like let's switch up what everyone's roles are in this raid Mm -hmm. then and just see if any of us happen to be better at for example running to a point or like you know carrying something versus shooting at at enemies and defending a point or is there a particular place that has like a jumping puzzle that one person is just like, I don't know why, but I suck at this one. Can we switch spots? And we would do that or we would just switch spots anyway, just to be like, I'm sick of this. And we've been doing this for too long and it's mm-hmm. making me mad. And like, it's the equivalent of taking a break, but it's just doing something slightly different. And that helped a lot. Um, and I, I don't know that there's a version of that that you could do in League of Legends. Like, I don't think it, I think that whole format just right, doesn't right. lend itself to that, which is kind of too bad. But it does at least help when you have some way to change what you're doing. Yes, different roles. Like, I'm thinking of the Callus fight from the first Destiny yep. 2 raid, where like three people have to go through to this dark world and it's super unforgiving and merciless, and three people stay behind. And you can just change up your roles and be like, you know, let's just try shaking it up. Not even necessarily because someone is going to do better, but just because by shaking it up, we'll get ourselves out of this kind of bad spiral that we might be in, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is certainly true. You know, do you think this is a maybe a bigger this is a more galaxy brain take but that part this of the reason <laughs> part of the reason that video games make us angry in a specific way or can make people angry is that they're supposed to be fun 
Like it's that you're you're playing them at the end of the day, and maybe you're, you're upset about something else, or it was a frustrating day, or you're feeling anxious about whatever mm-hmm. you know million possible things you could be feeling anxious about, and you're playing this game, and you're just like, I'm losing at this too. This sucks. Like yeah. I feel bad. I'm letting people down. I felt that way all day, and now I feel this way in this game. And like it's not just the feeling; it's the fact that. Even in this video game, you're feeling this way, which is supposed to be fun. And then that, like, causes it to spiral even more. Yeah. Mm. I think that's definitely part of it. I'm sure there's also the piece of it that's similar to Road Rage, where it's like you're just slightly separated from the other people on the screen. Yes. And that's enough to make your brain not see them quite as people anymore and be more angry at them. So that's that's a piece of it. But it's I think you're definitely right. Like, it's supposed to be fun. And when it isn't fun... What are we even doing here? You know, it feels even worse, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. luckily, we're all Zen masters now, and we've never yes. had these problems. It's and been decades since I kicked a computer. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, let's take a break, and then we'll be back with one more thing. Jason and Maddie, do the two of you know about my favorite podcasting newsletter, Hot Pod? No. I do actually. Yes, I do actually. I was <laughs> just I trying Kirk to. Kirk tells you. us about hot podcasts. I, I instinctively said no because it felt like one of those infomercial things right. where you have to be like, no, I don't know. No, so <laughs> right. I do, but I'll pretend I don't. No, tell me more. So there's, it's all about the <laughs> podcasting industry. And I read it with this mix of interest and kind of dread because it's always about like, so-and-so huge, iHeartMedia bought this podcast, Spotify bought that podcast, Joe Rogan said this, and now people are mad, and, you mm-hmm. know, Spotify said this. And I just have to say that every time I read that newsletter, I feel good that we are just totally listener-supported and that we don't have to think about any of that stuff because <laughs> oh, the podcast the industry is nuts, and we just get to, like, do this magical, fun thing together. And the entire reason that we do that is because our wonderful listeners support our show, which is what Max Fun Drive is all about celebrating. It's, it's pretty true. It's pretty awesome. I'm very blessed true. that we get to just directly have our listeners support us every single yes. month. It's rad. Kirk, what is Max Fun Drive, and what can people get by participating. Oh, yeah. What is it? So Maximum Fun Drive is going on from April 25th. So it's already going on right now when you're listening to this until May 6th. And that is when it ends. It's a yearly thing that we do. I think this is our third Maximum Fun Drive wow. for, uh, for for Triple really? Click, which is pretty pretty crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was mm-hmm. one when we started and then a second oh, one. Oh, yeah, because we had we had a, a cool pin for the first yeah. one and then we had a different cool pin. And, and this year we have... What now we, we have, have. Now? we have an amazing, an amazing patch that you can get that you can. Yeah, a little iron can, um, on patch. The super cool patch that you get if you join um, as a Max Fund member at ten dollars, or if you boost up to ten dollars. Right, like let's better. say you were just at five. Which, for example, yes. if you were to join at five, which you can do at any time during the year, and we're we're always yes. telling y'all about that, you get one bonus episode from us every month and also plenty of other content from all the other shows on the network. But you get one from us, and that's really. Just that's why the important. You're here. That's what you're here for. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. But but let's say it's Max Fun Drive. You want to give us a little something extra because you're you're loving all that bonus content and and you love us <laughs> so much. You could boost it up to ten, or you could just come in at ten right now. Like maybe you just never come in, joined in come the first in heavy place. At 10. You just come just in heavy at ten, bam, and you're bam, like, bam. "Give me the patch and all the bonus <laughs> content. I'm ready. Bring it on." You could do that. I feel like coming in heavy would be twenty or or higher. That's that true. That's like really heavy. rolling in. That's a great point, Jason. Which is yeah. something you could also do. Also true. <laughs> but ten dollars gets you the patch, and the patch is the thing. These I have like. 
I'm gonna put it on my. I have them on my backpack. Our pins and like I'm, I'm accumulating this a collection and it's pretty cool. Yeah, I was so excited to put my pins on my backpack. Well, so you actually get other stuff. You got like a, a, a hat or a pack at twenty. You get a messenger bag at yes. thirty five. That's true. And you get a, a metal membership card at fifty dollars. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of a lot of cool stuff. I have a membership card from an earlier year. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff you can you can check out on the uh, on the Max Fund Drive website, which we of course will link to in the show notes. But yeah, we we just we hope that you consider becoming a member and supporting us making this show, letting us do the thing that we love to do uh, with just us and all of you listening and uh, and nothing else in between, which is the yeah. way to do it. So maximumfund.org slash join, as always, is the place to go. And this is the time to do it. It really Maximum is. Fund Drive. We got the stream coming up. We got all kinds of cool stuff yeah, going stream. on. Other shows are doing tons of stuff. It's going to be super fun. So yeah, um, happy Max Fun Drive to everybody and to all of our members. Uh, thank you so much. We are back for one more thing. Uh, Jason, why don't you go first? Because all of us have seen this, I think. Or Kirk, have you watched it yet? I'll find yes, out. Yes, I've been watching. Jason, tell us about your one more thing. Yeah, my one more thing is a new TV show that my wife and I just started called Abbott Elementary. And Abbott Elementary is, uh, we've been watching it on Hulu. It is a sitcom and it is amazing. It's uh, definitely one of the funniest sitcoms that I have seen in a while. Um, It's like a mockumentary, like single cam format, sort of like The Office. It's very reminiscent of The Office or like Parks and Recreation, Mm -hmm. um, uh, including um, staring at the camera for comedic effect. But anyway, it's set (laughs) in this elementary school called Abbott Elementary, and it is this um, inner city, low-funded school in Philadelphia that is run by these teachers who like care desperately about their students but are are running into all sorts of obstacles and also happen to be these hilarious characters. So it is it is a show that is both hilarious and also kind of sad because of the whole like, wow, this is what yeah, schools are tragically underfunded in this country sort of thing. But it is still, like, it, it is a heartwarming show and it is very funny and is very entertaining, largely because of the performances of the characters and, and the characters themselves. Um, the show is, it stars and was created by a woman named Quinta Brunson, who I believe used to work for BuzzFeed before she went into the TV world mm. and started this whole thing. And she's got a fascinating career. And she's really good as this kind of like she bookish, nerdy teacher. Um, and everybody around her is just hilarious. There's a principal who's like a female Tracy Morgan. Um, just <laughs> she's insane so over person. the top. She's like my <laughs> favorite character. Yeah. I love her. She's Ava. There's, uh, there's, yeah, there's um, the, the janitor. The, the, the janitor, <laughs> the conspiracy theory janitor. Um, there's the potential love interest, this kind of mm-hmm. reserved guy who's got amazing facial expressions and eyeballs that he just like he widens to stare at the camera. Um, but my favorite character is this lady who is this Italian woman who's just this mob wife stereotype <laughs> who just amazing. has like killer line after another. Just incredible, incredible stuff. Um, the show, again, is called Abbott Elementary. It's really, really good. It's like really good at just like telling the story of these teachers, most school shows I feel like are about the students but this is actually about the teachers which I think just adds this new interesting angle to it and it's just extremely entertaining highly recommend it and it's such an easy watch because each episode is 20 minutes it's just a sitcom so um, there's really no reason not to watch it I highly mm-hmm. recommend it it's great. yeah it can kind of be a downer I do I do feel like 
I don't know. As soon as I think about my friends who are public school teachers and I know how hard their jobs are, like really hard and not funny. And there are times where I'm watching it and I'm like, man, this yeah. is really depressing. I texted I texted one uh, who's in Baltimore who has a life yeah. just like this. And he was like, it's the best show on TV. So nice. make it that way you will. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder how many teachers love it and how many watch it and are like, I can't. Like, this yeah, is too I can't watch stuff. it. Yeah. I feel like it, it skates that line. I've certainly seen both responses to the show, but mostly people seem to like it which is nice because i like it and i want it, it to continue very very <laughs> likable yeah it kind of has scrubs energy you know yeah, it, it actually bit. feels a little like scrubs to me for whatever reason to me it feels very 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 office ish just because it's got that style well yes obviously i mean the the office comparisons are are, are very clear but yeah definitely some scrubs to it yeah um, I'll go next because I also have a TV show, which is an anime that is called My Dress Up Darling. Very corny sounding name. And yet this is a show that I am strenuously only recommending to adults because it's a sex farce comedy show. And there's a lot of sexy jokes on this show. And mm. that may or may not appeal to you. I thought it was <laughs> hilarious. And I'm going to try to explain why. So... This is a show that I would say is sending up the idea of harem anime, which is sort of like nerdy guys surrounded by gorgeous girls who inexplicably are all interested in him. And <laughs> in this case, the nerdy guy doesn't have any friends at school because he's really into making Hina dolls. So he's very good at sewing and crafts. And he ends up finding out that the most popular hottest girl in school actually really wants to be a cosplayer, but she doesn't know how to sew. And so that's their their original meet cute is that he's suddenly slammed together with this hot girl because he's using the sewing room. And um, despite his sort of feminine coded pursuits, he's still very much attracted to women and is like totally bowled over by her and has to measure her boobs and constantly gets boners in her presence. And it's honestly like <laughs> slapstick levels of hilarious to me, mostly because the show tries to subvert your expectations by having her fall in love with him and start get get really awkward around him as well. So like they do both ends of the spectrum by having scenes where she's also like overcome and so nervous to see him. And then he is too. And they're both just complete idiots constantly. And that's very funny. Uh, but there are some things about the show that still don't quite work and are more just like, wow, we have, we have come a long way when it comes to gender roles in TV, but also we still have so much further to go, which is that mm. there are still like female characters who are just sexualized and aren't really fully presented as people. There's like sort of this running gag where there's two other cosplay girls and one of them is underage, but just so happens to have huge boobs. And the other one is 17 years old, but she looks like 12 and they sort of hmm. present both of them as people. Like the one with huge boobs has this whole plot line when, where she's like, I actually want to cosplay as a boy. And like she figures out how to like get a binder and stuff. And that's like super heartwarming. But then it's undercut by the fact that the show's constantly making jokes about how big her boobs are and how the underage looking character is actually 17. And there's like random nudity with her that frankly doesn't need to be there. So it's kind of like, you know, hmm. you take the mm -hmm. anime tropes with a grain of salt, but... I laughed at it so much and I was so sad when it was over. And especially as somebody who used to cosplay, the show really knows its stuff and has like lots of really fun crafting and sewing jokes and explanations. And it was just really cool. I enjoyed it a whole nice. lot more than I thought I would. So I recommend it to anybody who likes sex farce comedies and cosplay because it's great. It's called My Dress Up Darling. Uh, Kirk, what is your one more thing? Nice. My one more thing is a video game. It's a video game from several years ago that I've been playing again 
on the Steam Deck, one of many games from several years ago that I'm playing again on the Steam Deck. But this is the one that I want to highlight on my one more thing for a couple of different reasons. Your your one more thing for the next like year is just going to be different Steam Deck. Like, I'm for games it. It sounds great. Deck. I love it. No, it's amazing. All I want to do is talk about the Steam Deck. But um, but no, I'm <laughs> going to be talking about Divinity Original Sin 2, which I am now back playing. And I started over. I started um, from scratch. So I played like 80 hours of Divinity Original Sin 2 shortly after it came out. I love these games. So to explain what it is, these are made by Larian Studios. They are um, isometric view role-playing games with turn-based combat. They're very dense. They're very nerdy. They feel like a tabletop game in a lot of ways. They're very well written. There's tons of branching and sort of the narrative can go all sorts of different places. They're very simulated. You can, like, kill any character and the story will just kind of adjust around it. It's really, like, in a lot of ways, the most impressive computer role-playing game I've ever played. Like, it is, there's so much going on under the hood. There's so much possibility, not just in the combat system, but also in the social stuff and, the and, you know, the, the story. True successor to Baldur's Gate 2. Yeah, it's it's an amazing game, and I played a lot of it, and then I got kind of to the final act, or maybe I was starting the final act, or at the end of the second act, I don't really remember. I played a ton, and then they released the definitive edition of the game, which updated a ton of stuff and fixed a whole bunch of things and added voice acting to, like, every single character in the game. So many other things just totally overhauled a lot of the game and in particular overhauled the final chapter. The section that I was about to play after 80 hours got totally fixed. And I believe, am I remembering, Jason, that you finished it and you were kind of like, you know, that last chapter was kind of the weakest part of the game? Yes, definitely. Yep. Okay. So I had heard that from trusted source Jason Schreier, and I was like, well, shit. So now the definitive edition is out, but you can't just copy your save over. So I would have had to start over. And at the time, I'd already played so much, and it kind of took the wind out of my sails. And I just never finished. And I was like, I loved this game. It's one of my favorite games I've ever played. But I never finished it because of this weird definitive edition thing. So now I'm playing on the Steam Deck. I'm, like, totally in love with this thing. I've got it dialed in. I can play every freaking video game that I own on it, or like, streaming from my computer, all these things I've talked about on past episodes. And I I found that Divinity Original Sin 2 runs great on the Steam Deck. Um, and also I've, I've been working with this controller, which we will talk about more on a future episode. But um, the controller really lets you play a mouse and keyboard style game like this. By controller, you mean the Steam, what's on the Steam Deck? Yes, so. what's on the Steam Deck. Um, with those trackpads in particular, you can, like, access hotkeys and quick save and all these things that you couldn't do on like a you know normal just xbox controller plugged into a pc so i'm able to play the game in mouse and keyboard mode and really just play the full version of the game um, not the controller version so i'm really just playing it now and i'm it's kind of like reading a book because there's so much dialogue there's so much great writing you can really just sit with it and kind of enjoy talking to people the voice acting is all so great my god there's a if you talk to animals there's like a perk you get in this game where you can talk to animals it's called pet pal and, of course, you have to get it because there's so many animals and they're all so funny. There's these dogs, the dog Buddy, and he's like, hi, who are you? And you can, like, have this conversation with the dog. But really early on, there is this um, squirrel riding on a skeleton cat that just starts following you around. And if you don't have Pet Pal, you can't talk to it. It just, like, squeaks at you. <laughs> but if you have this perk, it starts talking. And I don't know who the actor is who's playing 
this squirrel. But he is hilarious. And it's like mm-hmm. this super puffed up, like he is like waiting for the great acorn to fall that will wipe out all of humanity so that the squirrels will rule the world. And he's like this maniac squirrel who just goes on and on and on when you talk to him. And I was just sitting there on the couch, like laughing my ass off, like just talking to this squirrel. This is a new quest, by the way, in the definitive edition. So it was not in the original. Right. And so this is one of many things that they've added. And um, and it's just cool hearing all the actors, like all the characters speak. Um, the text is very small on the Steam Deck, so it's kind of nice getting to listen. That is a downside of mm. the Steam Deck. Don't tell it I said anything bad about it. It gets, <laughs> it's in the other room, but I think it can hear me. It gets sad. <laughs> are you worried? Kirk, are you worried that the it's going to get sad and then it's going to... It's gonna it's gonna come and start knocking on my door. Wow. Um, so, anyways, this game. <laughs> did you ever track down that tunic enemy from last week? Because <laughs> I did. Sure. We just had a nice we had a nice chat. We resolved okay, our differences. Good. It turned out it was just a misunderstanding. Got it. He's okay. a lovely guy, really. Um, great, great taste in music. Um, so, anyways, Divinity Original Sin Two, Definitive Edition. Really, really cool. Couple things I wanted to say about it. This game is wonderful. It was already great, but the, the Definitive Edition does add a lot of stuff. And one thing they've added are these gift packs or gift boxes, something that Larian was adding to the game over time, that are basically mods that you can turn on, and you can just turn them on in the menu, so you don't have to do any modding, because modding on the Steam Deck is still a little bit dicey. You can mod some games, but it's not super easy. But it's so nice, because a lot of the mods are really nice quality of life things. There's one that makes your characters just move twice as fast, which mm. is wonderful if you've played the game, because they kind of take forever to get somewhere when you click. Oh, this is tempting. There's like a spirit vision thing that you get later in the game, where you can see spirits and talk to them, and it just makes that always on because like if you want that always on because it's like you can miss things and it's there's no reason not to have it on um and there's some that kind of break the combat like they make you too powerful i didn't turn those on there's one that lets you respec your character at the very opening in fort joy you can just go respec all your characters immediately like a magic mirror that you normally don't get to until act two which is nice because i've been really obsessing over my build and this is it's a complicated enough game that it's you know, it's nice to just be able to change things immediately if you want to. Also, one thing you can do is give yourself Pet Pal. Everybody gets Pet Pal. So wow. you don't have to worry about wasting a talent on this thing that, like I was saying, if you don't get this perk, you miss out on all of these amazing, hilarious conversations with animals. But, like, there are so many good talents that you can get to your character that it always kind of was annoying. I'm like, well, I have to take Pet Pal because, like, I'm not going to not talk to the dog, but I'd rather have this one. So that's a nice one. I think Fane also has built in Pet Pal. Um, if I remember correctly. Fane has built in um, he has built in uh, lock picks because he's a skeleton, so he can pick locks <laughs> oh, with his fingers, <laughs> which shit. is really good. That's awesome. So it's an amazing game. Um, all I want to do is talk about it. Well, all I want to do is play it and then talk about it with people. I just want to point out that there's another massive JRPG that you guys are on the clock for called Seacoden 2. I, I don't know what you're talking about, Jason. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm familiar with that situation. And we're mm. actually out of time to talk about whatever that is. Uh... <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh, too bad. We're out of time. Oh. Oh, what a bummer. Uh, we have to wrap things up, but hey. We do. Hey. One more final note. Max Fun Drive. IMO, pretty freaking cool. I think people should still go to MaximumFun.org. Go, go become a join. member today. Become members. That's what I think. Yeah. That's what I think I, everybody I, should I do. I totally agree with you. I think Maddie's onto something with this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun Max Fun Drive. And hey, come watch our stream. It's yeah, gonna come be, watch us tonight. It's going to be a good time. We're excited about it. It'll be in just a few hours, probably, from when you're listening to this. Yeah. All right. All right. See you both cool. next week. Yeah, see week. you both next time. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. 
Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at maximumfun.org/join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.